0: we've been uh, seven sundays this is sunday number seven that we've been in the book of joshua um, and i think we're in the eighth chapter this morning um i know we're in the eighth chapter that's where i'll be i hope that's where you'll be uh we probably only have a couple of weeks left and if you've been through the book of joshua there's a lot of chapters to go so we're gonna uh, kind of summarize some things and and uh, pull from a couple of spots but we're not going to continue um, in, in such detail with it as we have been. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, the first five chapters really in, involved the, the uh, people of Israel getting across the Jordan River. They have arrived at the Jordan River, they got across the Jordan River, and then chapters 6 through uh, 13... <clears throat> Excuse me. Deal with the conquest of the land, how they went about, where they went, what cities they took, what order they did it, and uh, some of those uh, some of those battles are in detail, and others are just sort of uh, mentioned without any detail. And then chapters uh, 14 through 24 deal with how is the land divided amongst the the tribes of Israel. And uh, so we're not going to look in detail like we have been, but we're going to um, uh, hit a few things. One of the things that I mentioned at, as we started this study is that uh, we all deal with difficult issues in life. I think we kind of all agreed on that at the beginning. So whether that's uh, health issues, um, some, some say, well, I, I don't really have any health issues. We all at some point or another deal with the, the loss of loved ones. Um, we sometimes have financial issues, sometimes a change in, in location, uh, conflict within families. Uh, sometimes it's just a big decision that has to be made and it's and, and how do we how do we go forward? And I feel like the Book of Joshua really helps us as the people as we looked at the people of Israel, taking these big steps of faith, how did they do it? Where was God and and, and what was the process so, just a few of the things that we've, we've uh, discussed and concluded is that as we are making decisions, as we're dealing with difficult issues, as we're moving forward uh, with new things in life, we have to continue to meditate on God's Word. And that was from chapter 1. We've, we've looked at the people of Israel as they've uh, put God first and followed His leading. Uh, we've looked at one instance where they didn't do that and it didn't turn out so well for them. Uh, we've talked about how they, they stopped to remember the times and places and events where God was faithful to them in the past and how that is important for us to today. Um, we've talked about how important it is to be obedient to what God is leading us to do, whether it's through his word or through his spirit moving in us, how important it is to be obedient to God. And last week specifically, we were talking about how to how important it is to deal with sin in our lives. Even even as Christians, we're not exempt from sinful behavior, sinful thoughts, sinful actions. And so uh, when we recognize those things, when we identify those things in our lives, we need to deal with those things uh, quickly. Um, And so this morning, as we look in in Joshua chapter 8... Uh, it's, it's, uh, we looked last week at how they tried to take the city of Ai and failed. Uh, this chapter this morning is how they uh, went back after seeking the Lord and successfully took the city. But we're going to jump over that account and go to the end uh, of, jo- of Joshua chapter 8, where Joshua renews the covenant, and the people of Israel really renew. has been so faithful to us over these years. I can't believe it's been... 25 years, or 40 years, or 50 years, and by the grace of God, we're still together. We're going to celebrate that. Um, others maybe have gone through a rocky period, uh, or, or have separated for a period of time, or have just dealt with some really difficult things and are getting things back on track, and they're just renewing their commitment to each other. And so this morning, we're going to see what essentially is a vow renewal between the people of Israel and God. They're renewing the covenant that God made with Moses and the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. And if you remember, um, it's, it's been about 40 years since they were at Mount Sinai with Moses and, and uh, they received the law from God. Moses did. Moses read it to the people, and the people's response was, All that you have said to us, we will do. Uh, probably a little bit foolish. Uh, to to say to to make that kind of commitment, but they were they were eager, they were willing, they wanted to do what was right. Um, and then, after after being in the wilderness for almost forty years, they came together again, and Moses reread it, uh, read the law to them. And it's only really just been a couple of months now. They've crossed the Jordan River, they've taken the city of Jericho, they took the city of Ai, and they came together to renew it. So we're going to look at it. You could really just almost pass right by it and not think too much about it. Uh, but as I began to look at it, I kind of saw it in a different way, and so I'm going to share that with you and, and, and some thoughts on what, how does this apply to us this morning. So let's pray, and then we're going to start reading in Joshua chapter 8, verse 30. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that it is sharper than two uh, a two-edged sword. Thank you that it's alive, that it brings life. Uh, Lord, I pray that as we look at it this morning, uh, we would gain understanding of who you are, who we are. Uh, that we would, uh, we would have an understanding of how we can apply these things to our lives today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Joshua chapter 8, verse 30 says, um, At that time, Joshua built an altar to the Lord. So this is after uh, they had def- de- uh, taken the, the city of Ai. On Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded the people of Israel as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of uncut stones upon which no man has wielded an iron tool. And they offered on it burnt offerings to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. And all Israel, sojourner as well as as native-born, "...with their elders and officers and their judges, stood on opposite sides of the ark before the Levitical priests who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord, half of them in front of Mount Gerizim, and half of them in front of Mount Ebal, just as Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded at the first to bless the people of Israel." And afterwards, he read all the words of the law, the blessings and the curse, according to all that is written in the book of the law. There was not a word of all that Moses commanded that Joshua did not read before all the assembly of Israel, and the women, and the little ones, and the sojourners who lived among them. So just a a short little account, what seems to be short, insignificant, uh, build an altar do some sacrifices isn't that what they were always doing back then um, and, and uh, you know commemorate thank you Lord we won another battle what's next uh, but we're going to just slow down and, uh, and then uh, references again the law of Moses they are doing something that Moses had asked them to do so we can go back into the book of Deuteronomy and see exactly uh, where this was, uh, and why they had come to this place. I'm gonna switch uh, and read from the NIV, and I'm just gonna admit if you hear uh, regularly, you'll know, uh, but if you're not, I don't normally read this long of a passage of scripture, but I think it's important that we really kinda see what's going on. So we're gonna read uh, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. You can turn there. Uh, we're gonna read uh, quite a bit here, but I think it's, it's worth reading. Deuteronomy chapter ten, starting verse twelve, <clears throat> and I, I, I love I love this this first section, and really. These, this passage in, in chapter 10 and verse in chapter 11. I've actually quoted from these chapters several times as we've been in this these last six weeks in this book, and uh, so the Lord's just really been speaking to me. And these first some of these first verses, especially, I think, man, you could just read. We could just read these verses, and I could just stop, and we could just say, let's go do it, and we, we would have we would have so much from this morning. But uh, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 10. And now, O oh Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Boy, you got a young person saying, man, I just wish I knew what the will of God for my life was. You can go to these verses right here. Love the Lord your God. Serve the Lord your God. Walk in his ways. Obey his commands. Um, great start. We could, uh, like I said, we could just walk out right now and, and, and leave. But let's continue. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything of it, putting God in his right place. Yet the Lord set his affection on your forefathers and loved them. He did that for us, too. And he chose you, their descendants, above. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, whom shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. We're all equal in the eyes of God. In the eyes of God. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the alien, giving him food and clothing. And you are to love those who are aliens, talking about strangers, talking about uh, immigrants, immigrants. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast to him and take your oaths in his name. He is your praise. He is your God who performed for you those great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your forefathers who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. Now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. All right, he's continuing. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and commands always. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm. Moses is saying here... uh, Your your children, they're not gonna know about what God did unless you tell him how he worked mightily in your life, how he worked powerfully in your life, and even how he disciplined you in your life. Your children won't know it, your grandchildren won't know it unless you talk to them about it. The signs he performed, the things that he did in the heart of Egypt, both to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to the whole country. What he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin to them. It was not your children who saw what he did for you in this desert until he arrived at this place. What did he do? He provided water. He provided food. He provided shelter. Their clothes and their shoes didn't wear out. He did this, and what he did to Dathan and uh, Abiram... The sons of Eliab, the Reubenite, when the earth opened its mouth right in the middle of Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents, and every living thing that belonged to them. This is the account. These two guys and two other guys, they, they brought 250 men and tried to rebel against the leadership of Moses. And Moses said, okay, let's meet tomorrow, and we'll see who God sides with. And, and the earth opened and swallowed these guys up. It was with your own eyes that saw all these great things the Lord has done. Observe therefore, because of who God is and how he works, his, his justice and his righteousness, his love and his mercy. Observe therefore all the commands I'm giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Remember, this is Moses speaking to the people of Israel before they crossed the Jordan River. And so that you may live long in the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you planted your seed and irrigated it by foot as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from heaven. (laughs) Sounds like North Georgia this year. (laughs) It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. So now as we start to read here, let's remember that the covenant that God made with Moses and the people of Israel was a conditional covenant. So this is, this is part of those conditions that God laid out for them that the people have said, as you have said it, we will obey. So these, these are some of the conditions if you faithfully obey the commands i am giving you today to love the lord your god and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul then i will send rain on your land in the season both in autumn and spring rain so that you may gather your grain new wine and oil i will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied these are the things god would do for them if they were to obey be careful though Or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce, and you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk down the road, when you lie down and when you get up. How are they going to know if we don't tell them? Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land that the Lord swore to give to your forefathers, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth." Remember, it's a conditional covenant. If you carefully observe all these commands I have given you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the Euphrates River to the Western Sea. No man will be able to stand against you. The Lord your God, as he promised you, will put terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. See the if then. If you do this, then I will do this. See, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn from the way that I command you today by following other gods which you have not known. When the Lord your God has brought you into the land you are entering to possess, okay, here we go, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal the curses. As you know, these mountains are across the Jordan, west of the road toward the setting sun, near the, tr- the great trees of Morah, in the territory of those Canaanites living in the Arabah, in the vicinity of Gilgal. You are about to cross the Jordan and enter and take possession of the land your Lord your God has given you. When you, are taking, when you have taken it over and are living there, be sure that you obey all the decrees and laws that I am setting before you today." Okay, that's a, that's a, that's a lengthy uh, passage to read. Uh, but if you were to continue the next 15 chapters, that was a chapter and a half, 15 more chapters of laws and decrees. Moses is saying, I am laying them out before you today. You will receive blessings if you obey. There will be curses if you disobey. It was the condition of the covenant that they had entered into with God. 15 more chapters of instruction for the, for the people and Moses says, You are to, uh, when you come into the land, just look at it again, in verse 29 again. When you enter into the land, you are entering to possess, you are to proclaim on Mount Gerizim the blessings and on Mount Ebal the curses. So Moses, we just read a chapter and a half, 15 more chapters. Moses says, When you get there, you're to proclaim these. Uh, between the two mountains. All right, so if we jump to Deuteronomy chapter 27, this is at the end of the 15 chapters of instructions. This is what Moses has to conclude with. Now Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people saying, keep the whole commandment that I command you today. And on the day that you cross over the Jordan to the land that your Lord God is giving you, you shall set up large stones and plaster them with plaster and you shall write on them all the words of this law when you cross over to enter the land that the Lord your God is giving you a land flowing with milk and honey as the Lord your God as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you and when you've crossed over the Jordan you shall set up these stones concerning which i command you today on mount ebal and you shall plaster them with plaster And there you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones. You shall wield no iron tool on them. You shall build an altar to the Lord your God of uncut stones. And you shall offer burnt offerings to the Lord your God, and you shall sacrifice peace offerings and shall eat there, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, and you shall write on the stones all the words of this law very plainly. Okay, so we read what they did there in Joshua chapter 8, just a few verses, but there is a big backstory to this. This is something that God has asked them to do, and so when we come here uh, to Joshua chapter 8, in verse 30, Joshua builds the altar. He's between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, just as Moses had instructed. They uh, built the altar of uncut stones, it says, just as Moses had instructed, They sacrificed the burnt offerings. They sacrificed the peace offerings in verse 31. And there in the presence of the people of Israel, he wrote on the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he had written. Seems pretty unassuming when I read it the first time. But they built, it must have been a wall of stones, covered it with plaster and copied out 15 chapters worth of instructions on these stone walls. God's making a point. Okay, so they, this wasn't like a day trip. We're talking about, the, the, it says the people of Israel, all the men, all the women, all the children, all the sojourners, all of the, uh, uh, all of the people, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million plus, traveled to Shechem, they build this wall. With that many people, maybe it didn't take as long as it might seem. They write out 15 chapters worth of instructions. I didn't put it in my... I don't, I didn't, I don't think I gave this to you, Craig. Um, but this is, this is significant. Let's see if it's uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 27 gives us just a little bit more, uh, a a little bit, uh, no, I did, sorry, I I did give it to Craig. Um, Continuing in verse 9 here of Deuteronomy chapter 27, Then Moses and the Levitical priests said to all of Israel, Keep silent and hear, O Israel, this day. You have become the people of the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the voice of the Lord your God, keeping his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. That day Moses charged the people, when you have crossed over the Jordan, these shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. Now that's not six people standing there. Uh, Those are six tribes that are standing there. So it's really kind of interesting that these are uh, the sons of Jacob by Rachel and Leah his wives Uh, and then uh, continuing it says and these shall stand on Mount Ebal for the curse Reuben Gad Asher Zebulun Dan and Naphtali these are the sons of Jacob uh, from his concubines uh, Bilhah and Zilpah I could hear it but I couldn't hear it all yes yes so uh, so half of the people on one mountain, half the people on the other mountain. Um, and, and the Levites are to, to, to declare in a loud voice, now here in Deuteronomy chapter 27, and I think this is maybe what I didn't give to Craig, um, they just mention some of the curses. Um, Cursed be the man who makes a carved or cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, a thing made by the hands of a craftsman. And sets it up in secret. And all the people, these would be on Mount Ebal, because this is the mount of the curses, will, will yell, Amen. And so you have a, the reading of these 15 chapters. And when the, the Levites read a, a blessing, then Mount Gerizim, all hundreds of thousands of people will yell, Amen. And when a curse is read, then the people on the Mount Ebal will yell, an Amen. So this was like a, this was like a national event where they came together and they said, as a people, we are agreeing to these things between us, the people, and our Lord God in heaven above. They were, they were bringing to memory, even though they had, it was only a sh- few short months before that they had read them with Moses, that these were the things that would put them either in right standing before God or would put them in a place of, of being cursed before God. And so this morning, I think, um, as I've been reading this, what puts us in a right standing before God? I think that's the takeaway for us. This is this was a significant moment of, for the people of Israel, where, where as, a, as a nation, essentially, they were calling out to God in, in, in agreement and recognition of God, how they could be in right standing before God and how they would be in wrong standing before God. And so this morning, how do we, um, how to, how do we have right standing before God? That's what I want to know. And so we're going to look at a, a few verses together. You could start with where we started with here uh, 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 at the beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 10. And just kind of a paraphrase, you could say, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, and even the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. Right standing before God starts with knowing who God is. He is the creator of the world. He is the ruler of the world. He's the one that puts breath into our lungs, and he is the one that we're to humble ourselves before. Of course, um, that's the problem, right? We are to humble ourselves before God, the creator of the world. And if you're anything like me, you have a hard time doing that. We've got our wants. We've got our desires. We want to do it our way. God's way seems uh, tedious. God's se- way seems hard. God, you think, man, I, I could figure this out better. Uh, and and uh, ap- uh, I apologize if I shared this with you uh, in the last couple of weeks, but this came, somebody said this to me, uh, easy decisions now and a hard life later, hard decisions now and an easy life later. Just kind of a general principle, but sometimes doing the hard thing is what leads to what's right and will, will bring peace Uh, and contentment and and joy in the future. And sometimes taking the easy way out just leads to conflict and strife and broken relationships in the future. So anyways, we've got this problem. And Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verse 20 says this, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Amen. Yeah, I'm right there. I am, not, I am not the righteous man who, ne- who does good and never sins. I try to do good, but I also do sin. And so this is a, a reality. Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 tells us there's none righteous, no, not one. And so we have this problem. We have a, a great and mighty God, ruler of the earth, who has a plan, uh, who has set out what is right, who has determined um, what, what makes for um, a, a life of peace and joy and happiness, and then you've got us you, who think we can we can figure it out on our own. My way's better. I'm going to do what I want. And the Psalm uh, 5 verse 4 tells us that uh, speaking to God, you are a God who de- who you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. And so there's the problem. We have a righteous God, and we've got us arrogant people that think that we know better and so we go our own way we reject God's plan for us and now we've been separated from God not because he pushed us away but because we've stepped away from him but another truth about God is that he loves us isn't that a good truth about God we're all in need of God's love for us in Ephesians chapter 2 Verses four and five says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were, we were doing our own thing, we were just full of, of sin and rebellion and, and, and no interest in God, we were doing what we wanted to do. He made us alive together in Christ by grace You have been saved. He sent his son, Jesus. And for those who would believe that Jesus took took my place on the cross, that Jesus took your place on the cross, we come into a renewed relationship with him. That's how we have right standing with God. We recognize that God's the ruler, that we've rejected God's way, but God knew that we did that and he sent his son, Jesus, who lived the perfect life, who didn't deserve to die, but he died in our place. In in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it, it explains this transaction that happens. The great exchange, some people would say. God made Jesus, who knew no sin, he was perfect, to be sin on our behalf. So that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. We obtain right standing before God because Jesus took our place on took our place and died on the cross for us. In Titus uh, chapter 3, verses 5 and 7, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, that's Jesus, God loved us, God's a good God, and so Jesus came, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. We receive the Holy Spirit when we, when we believe in Jesus Christ. So that being justified or made right or put right before God, by his grace we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We have this promise of eternal life with him when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So this this, uh, this, this picture that we have here in the Old Testament with um, uh, the the two mountains, the blessings and cursings, and God saying to the people of Israel, "Look, if you obey, you'll receive blessing, and if you disobey, you receive cursing." It was conditional, based on how the people of Israel did, whether they were living up to what God wanted them to do or whether they were going their own way. God came to us through Jesus, Son, with a new covenant, not based on our righteousness but based on the fact that Jesus lived the perfect life and died in our place. It's what gives us right standing before God. So this morning, you say, man, I've been in church all my life. I know that, Pastor Jeff. As we read through the Old Testament, we see over and over again, the people renew their covenant with God. Uh, Not because there was no covenant, so they had to make it up over again, but just to declare I acknowledge that this is this is the this is the deal this is the agreement that we have with God and so my, my encouragement to you if you say I've been in a relationship with Jesus for a long time get up every morning and you're not getting saved again but you, you are acknowledging God you're still the God in heaven and I'm still a sinner in need of a Savior thank you for sending Jesus to save me would you use me today However it is you need me. Not, he doesn't need us, but you know what I'm saying. I'm willing, God. You don't need us, but you choose to use us. Show me what you have for me today. Maybe some of you never, this is new. Or it's the, it, you've heard it before and you've, you've been resistant to putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can do that this morning. We've, we've, we've laid it out. It's recognizing that God's a holy God. He created the world. He set the rules for it. We rebelled against him, but he sent Jesus to die on the cross for, for us, in our place. And when we say, Jesus, it's not, I can't earn it. I can't do it. I fall short, but you did it. And I'm putting my faith and trust in you. We enter into a relationship with him. You can do that this morning. We're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray partly here from Deuteronomy chapter 10 and then partly here from these verses in Titus that we read and just kind of personalize them for us this morning. Lord, you are the great and awesome God over all the heavens and the earth. We're lowly sinners. Thank you for sending your son. Help us today to be in wonder of you, God, to walk in obedience to you, to love you, to serve you with all of our hearts and with all of our souls, and to observe your commands and decrees that you've given to us. Lord, thank you for saving us, not because of the good things that we've done, but because of your great mercy. Thank you for declaring us righteous because of what Jesus did for us and promising to us the hope of eternal life. Maybe you're sitting here this morning, you've, uh, you, can't, you can't pray that prayer because you've never accepted Jesus. Right now where you're sitting, you can just confess, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross on my behalf. I received that. When the Philippian jailer said, uh, what, what must we do to be saved? Paul answered, him, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And thou shalt be saved. And it's that simple. We put our faith and trust in what Jesus done on the cross. You can do that this morning by just saying, God, I'm a sinner, but I believe that Jesus died for me. As we close this morning, Todd Kelly will be up front. If you prayed that prayer, or if you think, man, I've just been, I've really just kind of been wandering I've really just kind of been doing my own thing, and I really need to get back on track. Todd and Kelly would love to pray with you. they are prayer partners this morning. They'll be up front. If you've, if you've recognized this morning for the first time that you need to receive this free gift of salvation from, from God through Jesus, by his grace, you can come talk to Todd and Kelly and, and let them know that you've made that decision or ask them more questions about it. But Lord, as we go out from here today, Lord, I pray that we would have it in our hearts to serve you to love you, to obey your commands, uh, to look out for those um, who who need help, whether it's with physical needs, with emotional needs, with spiritual needs, that we would be willing vessels to be used of you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive. Uh, Lord, would we dive into it each day, excited at the possibilities of what you can do when we humble ourselves before you.